your Bible with you tonight. We're turning to Exodus 33. Exodus 33. We're going to begin reading at verse 7 and read through 23, right to the end of the chapter. This is Exodus 33, 7 to the end of the chapter. What we're about to read is the very word of God speaking to us tonight. Now, Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again uh, into the camp, back to the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, he would not depart from the tent. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, please, show me your glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim before you, my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. 
Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. The word of the Lord to us tonight. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the scriptures that you have provided for us. We ask that you'll be with Pastor Dave as he explains this scripture to us. And we thank you for this beautiful day and this opportunity to worship. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Uh, and thank you for your uh, flexibility and kindness uh, to me today in, in coming. It's, it's always, I think, a little hard on a congregation just to have a pastor come and just kind of helicopter you into a text and drop you into it and have a sermon and go home. You, you've not prepared for it. You don't know really where we are, what's going on. So perhaps I could just take a minute to help us understand where are we in Exodus 33. Can I just do that a minute? If you've got your Bible, uh, just take a look. Now back up, right, to Exodus 19. Go, go way on back to 19. What's going on in 19? Well, the, the Israelites in 19 have arrived to Mount Sinai. They will stay at Mount Sinai now in the scriptures all the way from Exodus 19 to Numbers, 30, uh, uh, to Numbers 10. That's amazing, right? Okay, so we're, we're, we're going to camp here in Mount Sinai for a long time. So that's, that's the point here. And then, so they arrive at Mount Sinai. And then, of course, you know that in chapter 20, Moses is before the Lord, and, and the Lord gives him the summary of the law as we looked at this morning. Uh, revealing his way for this people to learn to follow the Lord their God. So that's, that's Exodus 20. And, and then, um, uh, you, you know, uh, what was it? Verse 18 of chapter 20, when all the people saw the thunder and flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and they trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we'll listen, but do not let God speak to us. We'll die. So Moses goes up the mountain, as you know, and, and there the Lord speaks to him. Now, as you just flip through here, chapter 21, chapter 22, chapter 23, all these are, are further laws, further direction on how to live, and uh, uh, confirms the, the, uh, the covenant. And, and, and then we get to chapter 26. We're just you know moving along here. Well, back up. God begins to give direction on how to build the tabernacle. So Moses is up in the mountain. I think he's with Joshua. And there, God begins to instruct, okay, this is how to worship me. This is the setting. This is the structure I want you to build. And he walks him through all the design of it. So don't get confused here. The tabernacle's not built yet. Moses is just getting direction on, on how to do it, right? So, okay. Uh, the bronze altar, the, the court of tabernacle, the priest's garments, the oil, the altar of incense, uh, how the priest should be consecrated, on and on the details go, the Sabbath, the, and, 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 and etc. Then we get to chapter 32. Are you there? Have you flipped to 32? Oh boy, right? 32. This is bad. Moses starts coming down the mountain. He's got all this direction from God. He's got all this vision. He is ready, uh, excited. And, and what's going on? Well, the people have been wondering where that Moses went. And so kind of Aaron takes kind of over, and, and, and the people melt down their uh, trinkets from Egypt, and they make the golden calf. You know the story. 
And uh, this is a stiff-necked people. And so the Lord warns Moses, you better get down there. This isn't good. They've corrupted themselves. I'm, I'm looking at chapter 32 and, and verse 7. And it's interesting, the Lord says, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt. <laughs> it's not who I brought out right now, it's who you brought out, Moses. It's a stiff-necked people, verse 9. But what do we see in verse 11? But Moses implored the Lord, his God, and said, Lord, you know, basically, don't turn your wrath loose on these people. If you do, I mean, what are the Egyptians going to say? What's everybody going to say? All you did was haul the people out here in the desert and destroy them, okay? So that's, that's chapter 32. And then down comes Moses, and you know what he does with the stone tablets, and he busts them up, and he grinds them up, and he makes the people drink it, and, and, and yet, I mean, he's, he's mad. I get it. He's, he's upset. Um, he saw the calf, and he saw the dancing, whatever that means. I, I, I don't even really, shouldn't even try to imagine. It's not good. Uh, Verse 25 of chapter 32, and when Moses saw that the people had broken loose, loose, they're loose in their sin, it has gone evil so fast amongst the camp. So this is, this is terrible. And um, now chapter 33, at the very beginning, uh, verse 3, do you see it? This is a sobering word from the Lord. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go among you. So all of a sudden the Lord is saying, I'm not going any further with this group. I'm done. I am done with you. That's a sobering statement. And the people hear it. They, they find this out. From Moses, and, and look at how they describe it in verse 4. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. You know, the, the, the party stopped right there, you see. Now, we come to verse 7. So this is a little bit of a parentheses section. It's just kind of telling us about what's been happening with Moses in that he's been in fellowship with God all along. And he's kind of had, a, he's kind of had this routine where he's uh, got this tent, and he goes out, out of the camp, just gets away from the camp, gets out away from the busyness of all those details and complaining and crying of the Israelites. And this was his lifestyle. He would go out, outside the camp, pitch this tent, and, and God would meet with him there. Joshua would join him, right? That's in the text. And so that was uh, Moses lifestyle that we get in chapter or, or verse 7 from chapter 33 that I just read. Um, but then in verse 12, we see that Moses said to the Lord, and now, we're, now we're, you know, we're back to the fact that God has just said, I'm, I'm not going with you, this disastrous word. So we're back to that now in verse 12. Moses is, is speaking with him, imploring with him, hey, please change. See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways. This is one of the first um, requests Moses makes of God. God, would you show me 
your ways. If I'm going to lead this people, I've got to know you, and I've got to know your ways. Now, I think this little phrase, show me your ways, is a bit of a synonym to what Moses is about to ask a little further down, right? When he comes to God and says, will you show me your glory? I think it's a bit of a synonym. Show me you. Show me your ways. I need to be like you. I want to be like you. I, and, and, and Lord, as long as we're talking here a minute, let me just say that I have just been with this people and I have seen their wretchedness and I have found their wretchedness to be the same wretchedness in my own heart and I don't want to be like that anymore. And perhaps you can really relate with that tonight. Perhaps you're at that godly point in your sanctification, in your life with God, that you've come to the point where you really mean business about your sin. And you have had it. You've had enough of this attitude that you so often portray. You've had enough of this complaining mouth of yours. I say of mine. Have you come to that point where you've just, you've just had it? You know, that's that really is the way I ended up. Uh, the Lord called me to be one of his children. I, I was in the United States Marine Corps. I was in Barcelona, Spain. And, uh, and I was out doing what Marines always do when they go in the port. Won't go into those details. But I'm in this bar. And, and they smoked these black tar cigarettes in Spain at the time. I mean, you could hardly see across the room. Not that you would want to anyways. This dark, old, filthy bar. And I'm with some other guys, and, you know, and we're, we're doing what Marines do. And the guy I was with got sick. What a mess. And I'm looking at all this, and, and like, the Lord is so kind. The Lord was turning on the light bulbs. I'm looking at this like, what am I doing? What am I doing with my life? And so I... I I left the bar, headed back to the ship, and I'm sitting down on one of these things they tie the ships to, uh, and I'm right there by the, uh, the port, all the water, and I'm looking at that water, and I'm smelling the water. The water there in Barcelona, Spain, was filthy. I mean, you could just about walk on it because of all the stuff that's in it, and you would never want to fall into it. And, and I thought, Lord, this is my life. It's water, but it's dirty. I got a life... But it's dirty, and I'm sick of it. Now, why did I say to God, I'm sick of it? Because God was drawing me to himself, drawing me to his glory, drawing me to his, his goodness. And so that night, I just prayed, God, would you please change my life? Please change my life. This is crazy. This is crazy. Well, I'll, you know, went to bed, or as we say, hit the rack, and uh, got up in the morning, and I'm cleaning up. I'm, I was swabbing the deck or something, and some guy walked across it, and I got in a fight with him, just like I always did. And we got into this deal, and, and, and afterwards, I thought, what am I doing? See, I'm right back to the same old thing. Same old Dave, rising up again. I said, God, would you please... 
Would you please change me? And I think that's what's going on with Moses. He's been out fellowshipping with God in the tent of meeting. He's been visiting with him. He's been getting to know him. Look at all that just happened in Egypt and all the power of God displayed before Moses. And now Moses like, so he finally comes to God and he says this prayer request. Where is it? Yeah, verse 18. You've got to look at verse 18. Moses said, please show me your what? Your glory. Show it to me. Now what a prayer request. May I just ask you tonight, have, have you ever asked the Lord to do that? You talk about a prayer request. There's our prayer request. Lord, would you show me your glory? Now, Moses is not asking, look, I just want to see this thing because I want to be entertained. That's not that kind of prayer request. He's asking for, for the Lord to do something that will indeed impact his own heart and change him. Show me your glory. I've seen the glory of the golden calf and a people that have gone nuts. I don't want to be that. I want to be, I want to be like you. Would you show me your glory? Now, are you there at the text? You've got to see this text. Look at what God says. Verse 19. And God said, or he said, what did he say? Two words. What's the two, first two words there? This startled me. God did not say to Moses, listen. I'm a little busy right now. Could you call me later? Or, listen now, Moses, you've gone too far now. You've gone too far. You don't ask for something like that from your Heavenly Father. Nope, there's, there's a boundary there. You can't go there. He didn't say that. <laughs> What's the first two words? I will. Uh, Moses must have said, say what? <laughs> you will? Yeah, I will. Now, it's interesting in the text, isn't it, as you read on, that it doesn't say, I will show you my glory. What does it say? I will show you my goodness. I, I, will, I, I will make all my goodness pass before you. Now, congregation, I have to say to you tonight, I, I'm not fully uh, understanding of what that, what that means. Are, are you? I mean, if, if you are, please see me afterwards. Help me with this. What does that mean? He's going to have all his goodness, like, prayed before Moses up there in the rock. Now, it's interesting that God doesn't say, I will show you my wisdom. I will show you my holiness. I will show you my wrath. I will show you my, uh, what, omnipotence. He doesn't say that. He picks this one. God does. I will show you my goodness. You know, we, we, say, we, we say, okay, now pick one. Um, and not so good, good. Uh, a little better, best. Which one are you going to pick? You're going to pick the good one? No, I'm going to pick the best one. 
It's like, goodness, isn't there anything a little better than that? You see, me and my life and, and my sin nature, I, I don't really know what good is. Jesus said, I am good. You want a definition of good? It's me. Good. Oh, good is so good. What we have done in our foolishness, in our sin, is we've replaced, we've replaced good with something second best. You have. I have. Why are we doing this? So this is what Moses is coming to ask for. And I'm astounded tonight that he says, I will. Now, look at um, If I have found favor in your sight, well, have you found favor in the sight of the Lord? The word is grace. Yeah, I have, because the Lord has saved me. Does, does the Lord know you by name? Yeah, yes, he does. The scripture is full of proof of that. He knows you by name. Then Moses is saying, then, then show me your glory. So we too can come and ask such an amazing prayer request of our God. Show us your glory. And he said, I will. So here's the prayer request of Moses wanting to be like God. So where are we going tonight? Well, in the next few minutes that we've got left, let me just tell you where we're going. What's the goal here tonight? We saw our goal this morning was to try to get some grasp of the hope God has given us when we were born again. But tonight, I, I, I want us to travel into this goal. In fact, I have five of them. I want us to be able to define the glory of God tonight, to be able to leave here tonight. And, and if somebody were to say to you, would you please help me? Would you define the glory of God? You were, you'd be able to say something, okay? Now, you know, this is one of those terms we just throw out all the time, right? The glory of God, the glory of God, the glory of God. But do we know how to, what it really is? And so I hope we can get our arms around something there tonight. And, and that's a big assignment. In fact, it might be, even be impossible, but we'll, we'll, we'll have a go at it. And number two... I want us to determine what is meant by the verse in Romans 3.23. You know that verse? We'll look at that verse. I want us, third, to desire the glory of God so that, we're, so that we'll pursue it. And four, I want us to discern how to pursue the glory of God. How do, how do we do that? And then five, I want us to declare the glory of God. So these are massive things that could probably take... 20 sermons, but we'll, we'll at least scratch some of it tonight, all right? So let's, first of all, let's start with a definition of the glory of God. Are you ready for that? In fact, maybe you've already been thinking, how would you define the glory of God? What would you say? Moses is saying, show me your glory. Show you what? What is, what is that? It's like defining power or beauty. It's, it's, it's difficult. But here's a few thoughts. The glory of God is his infinite beauty. You've got you to use the word infinite, right? Because there's just no end to it. His infinite beauty and power. Greatness, if, if you like that word. Of all his different, manifold, many perfections, his, his attributes. I know these are big words. We'll go over it again. Uh, displayed. His glory is displayed. He doesn't hide his glory. He displays his glory by his presence and or the actions of his attributes. Let me give it to you again because you, I'm sure I've, 
I've lost you. I've probably lost myself. Here we go. The infinite beauty, greatness, and power of all his manifold um, uh, perfections, like his goodness, like his holiness. That's why the angelic host in Isaiah 6, as well as in the book of Revelation, what are they crying out all the time? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then they say it again. And then they say it again. And so it's the infinite beauty and greatness and power of all his manifold perfections displayed, they're always known, they're seen, by his presence and or the actions of his attributes. That's why Psalm 19 declares the the glory of God. The heavens and earth declare the glory of God, right? The heavens and earth. Why is that so? Because his, his attributes carried out an action that blows our mind when we come up with the detail of the creation that he but spoke in six days. <laughs> so that's pretty glorious. That's pretty awesome. That's like, wow. Now, I really believe that you and I were created with a passion for glory. That's why you and I, I mean, what? We see a rainbow, and what, what do we do? I call my wife, Carol, come here, quick, come see this rainbow. This thing is awesome. It's glorious. We see a, a sunset at Lake Michigan, right? Grand Haven or something. We see that sunset. Glorious. And we just love it. We sit there and watch. Oh, that's cool. We just do that. You know? So uh, God has created us with this, with this um, hunger for his glory. John Piper has a, a simple definition. He says it's God going public with his infinite worth. I like that. Did you get that? God going public, in other words, displaying it, making it known. God going public with his infinite worth. Do you remember in Isaiah 6 where the seraphim said, Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is full of his, what would you expect it to say? Holiness. But it doesn't say that. It says his glory. So his, his holiness, his, his attributes, then are, are what's displayed that we say, oh, oh, look at his glory. So, you know, God has all knowledge. God is wise. God is love. God is gracious, good, merciful, holy, sovereign, faithful, omnipotent. You know, we just can go on with his, his attributes. This is the glory of God. This is the glory of God. And the glory of God never changes. You know why it never changes? Never, ever changes? Because if it changed, it would be less. <laughs> All right. Can we go to Romans 3.23? I, I imagine many of you can quote this. For all have sinned. And what? What, we, what happened? And fallen short at least that's how I memorized it in the King James many years ago, <laughs> of the glory of God. We've fallen short of it. Here's the display of God's incredible, infinite beauty in his perfections. And you know what we do? We yawn in his face. Because it's not as impressive as what Hollywood displays or what um, 
General Motors displays the latest car that comes out, or I don't know what. Some other new toy. Oh, we go, oh, wow, oh, that's cool. I got to have one of them. We yawn at God's glory. Somebody once said to me, yeah, you know what we've done? We've traded our cherry pie. I love cherry pie. For a mud pie. We've gotten so foolish in our sin that we actually love mud pie. We crave mud pie. We look forward to mud pie. We pet our mud pie. We just love our mud pie. Until it's all over our face. It's all over our, our life. Our face is buried in mud. When all the while God is saying, Look at, look at, I've made you this cherry pie. What are you doing? That was most of my life, folks, with my face in a mud pie, like the prodigal son. What are you doing in a pig pen, boy? Well, I don't know. I thought it'd be kind of fun. Leave home, have my own, have my own freedom. Yeah, you call that freedom? Hanging around them, eating mud pies and feeding pigs. What are we doing, folks? We've moved from the garden to live in the city dump. And we like it. Look how fast the Israelites moved from being the followers of God, crossing the Red Sea and all the glorious power of God. But a a short moment later, they're making this golden calf, a mud pie, to worship this, this thing they made with their own hands. How dumb. Can we get, isn't sin stupid? I'm sorry to use that word, boys and girls. It's just so dumb. We like it, we want it, we order it. We are wandering around looking for joy in a war zone. Jeremiah 17, 9. Do you know that verse? The heart is deceitful above all things. And it's desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's where Jeremiah was at. When he looked at his own heart, looked in the mirror, he said, look at this mess. I've got this heart that deceives me better than it deceives anyone else. Just like your heart, my heart deceives us in thinking, oh, if we just do this, then we'll be happy. So what's Romans 3.23 saying? We have fallen short. We have not attained the glory of God. In fact, we don't even care about the glory of God given our own self. But when God causes us to be born again, what happens? He opens our eyes and we start to see, yes, through a veil, but yes, we start to see, this is what sanctification is all about, peeling off the mud out of our eyes so that we can see the glory of God. And how good it is. That's Romans 3.23. We've fallen short of it. The vindication of God's glory is the ground for our salvation. And the exaltation of God's glory is the goal of our salvation. I'm, I'm, not, who I, I'm not sure who I got that quote from. Can we move to the third part? It's desire. Write that word down. We've tried to define it. We've tried to determine what Romans 3.23 is about. We see it in our own life. Moses is seeing it in his life. Now let's get to desire. Let, let me ask you tonight this, this question. 
um, can you tell me a time? Maybe you want to do it afterwards tonight. Maybe you want to come alongside of me and tell me the time that a sin has blessed you. Can, you. can you tell me a time that in your life a sin has blessed you? I mean, really, it's been, it's been good for you. You've thought, oh, this is nice. Tell me about the time that a sin has blessed you. I bet you can't think of one. Oh, there might have been a short-term blessing. R- right, kids? Let me just pick on you a minute, kids, right? Uh, maybe, you, maybe you told a lie, and you got away with it, and it blessed you because you didn't get into trouble. So you thought, hey, I don't know, this lying thing, is not so bad. Then God in his goodness and his grace to you, he just evoked your conscience, and you said, oh boy, this is not good. And your sin began to weigh on you. Psalm 32 talks about that. David said, it got to be where my bones were almost broken because sin just weighed on me. Men, can I pick on you a minute? Has pornography blessed you? I I ask the question because I'm told 60% of the church, the church, has a problem with pornography, so let's just get it, get it on the table. I hate to. I don't like it. Has it blessed you? Oh, there's a glory in it, you say. Mmm. There's a snake in the grass going to bite you. Has it blessed you? All right, broad paintbrush. Ladies, let me pick on you. Not that men don't do this, but ladies, can I just pick on you? How about worry? When has worry blessed you? Has it? Fretting? Walking back and forth? Worried about something? Not trusting God, but instead choosing the mud pie called worry? When has that blessed you? See, what I'm trying to do right now is I'm trying to help us all see that the glory of God is what I need to be in pursuit of because it will bless me. If I pursue God's goodness, God's wisdom, God's holiness, purity, it will bless me. So even from a selfish viewpoint, pursuing the glory of God is the very best thing you can do, but in the end, it will be the most glorifying thing of our God when we say, God, I, just, I want to be like you. I want to be like you. So what, what am I asking? I'm asking you tonight, are you convinced that sin is bad? Are you convinced that sin is not good? Do you understand what good is and what bad is? And are you, have you cut the line? Have you drawn the line? Have you settled this thing? See, if we're foggy on this thing, what's good and what's bad, uh, we're going to be tossed to and fro. I say to you, pursue the glory of God. And you will begin to be blessed. Are you convinced that sin is bad? Or are you still making excuses for eating your mud pie? Turn from the, somebody said this, turn from the gory to the glory.
This is what repentance is about. I, I, I need to turn away from sin. When I first became a Christian, and I was in the Marine Corps, I mean, we talked, you know, we were swearing all the time. It was just our language. Like learning Spanish, we learned swearing. You just swore all the time. <laughs> and so now I've become a believer. And what's the first thing the Lord started doing in my life? He started cleaning out my tongue. And I'd sit in Bible study, and, and we'd be talking, and all of a sudden, whoops, you know, I'd, I'd swear again. And the guys would go, Dave, would you, hello, come on, Dave. <laughs> God's hauling out the trash in my life, in your life. And so that's what it means to repent. I see the sin, and I call it sin. I call it bad, and I turn from it. If I'm looking at this thing, and I'm going, well, it's not that bad, then what am I going to do? I'm going to keep looking at it. Come on, let's call it what it is. It's sin. It's evil. Don't pray, Lord, deliver me from evil when all the time you got your arm around it loving the thing. Come on, say this is evil and I'm going to turn from it. Turn from that gory mess to the glory of God, which is so good. List it again. His goodness, his righteousness, his peace, his joy. Don't you want those things? I know you do. I do. But as I talk to you tonight about desiring the glory of God, um, I, I'm not so sure that it's really that necessary. Because if you, if, if, you, if you and I would get it, that that's bad and this is good, then I, I, we wouldn't need to talk about desire. You'll go for it. I was talking to this guy uh, and his wife this past week. They're from Alaska. They live in Alaska. I never met somebody that lived there. And they've been living there for 25 years. And he was telling me that there's no Chick-fil-A up there. Here, I'll give a little commercial here for Chick-fil-A. He says, there's no Chick-fil-A in Alaska. So he says, you know what this guy did? He got in an airplane. He flew into the United States where there was a Chick-fil-A, went in there, bought 50 meals, got it on the airplane, flew it back to Alaska, and sold it to all his buddies. <laughs> you see, he wanted Chick-fil-A. He wanted that sandwich. So I didn't need, nobody need to sit down with them and say, well, listen, this is how you could get a Chick-fil-A sandwich. You can go get an airplane ticket and fly to, you know, nobody's had to talk about that. The guy figured it out for himself. You and I will figure this thing out. If you want the glory of God instead of the glory of your mud pie, you'll figure it out, right? We'll go for it. But let's, let's just ask ourselves, how, how do we pursue the glory of God? It kind of sounds a little abstract. So how do we pursue it? Well, here's five quick things. Number one, pray. That's what Moses is doing. Ask God for it. Get on your knees and pray, oh God, would you show me your glory today? Because I want your glory to change me. I want to be like you, Lord. Prayer, number, number one. Number two, grow in the conviction that the glorious attributes of God are worthy of your pursuit. Number three, recognize the spiritual battle against the pursuit. Satan does not want you or me pursuing the glory of God. That's why even tonight, Satan has probably been messing with you and trying to get you thinking about other things besides what I'm talking about. And your mind's wandering off here and going there. And, and, uh, come on, let's zero in on this thing. If you're going to pursue... I, mean, I go deer hunting, I go pursue that whitetail. I'm, I'm going after that thing, right? If I'm going to go fishing, I'm not putting a boat in where there isn't no fish. I'm going to go pursue the fish. I want to pursue the glory of God, don't you? I know you do. 
But recognize there's a spiritual battle here against Satan is on this. Number four, uh, no truth. K-N-O-W, know what's true. So theology, theology, theology. Systematically get into the Word of God. We, we need to be people of the Word of God. I got this uh, video this afternoon from a pastor friend of mine in Malawi. They just bought a whole bunch of new Bibles for this church. None of these people even had a Bible. And so he's taken a video of them, and they've got their new Bible, and they're just they're crying, and they're singing. I mean, this, this place is erupting in joy, yet tears are flowing because they finally have their own Bible. Look at all the Bibles we got around here. How many copies you got at home? Oh, man, right? Listen, systematically get into the Word of God. So here's the hand illustration. If you want to just put your hand out here a minute, let's walk through the hand illustration. How do I get the Word of God into my life? How do I get the glory of God? How do I see the glory of God? Hand illustration. First of all, you need to hear the Word of God every day. It's the little finger. Hear it. Hear it. I, I know. Listen, I'm the same way. I like to listen to music on the Christian radio stations. That's just great. I, I love it. It's good. It's good stuff. Most of it. You know, it's good to hear a sermon now and then. Get on one of them podcasts or something. Get, get, get to that you're hearing God's Word. Hearing, listening. Come to church on Sunday ready to listen to Pastor Bob. You know that. That man is a teacher, isn't he? Like, wow, you want to you see the glory of God in the text of Scripture? You come and hear your pastor. You come ready. That means you get to bed on time Saturday night, so you're here ready to go. Okay, so we need to hear the Word of God. What do we need to do? We need to read the Word of God. That's, that's the ring finger. Okay, ring. We need to read it. Are you systematically reading the Word of God? You know, you read... You read three chapters a day, you'll get through the scriptures in a year. Three chapters a day. Uh, it takes about 15, 20 minutes. About the amount of time that you'll watch commercials if you watch an hour-long show. Amen? So every time there's a commercial, just hit mute and read your Bible. Or just read one chapter a day. Come on, let's, let's, let's get a goal that we can handle and that we'll do. So get on a Bible reading plan. There's tons of them. Uh, or, or just start reading. And, and, and read the Word of God. Study the Word of God. Get yourself into a Bible study. Are you in a Bible study? Get into a Bible study. A fourth, four, you know, you want to get a full grip, four fingers? Memorize the Word of God. And, of course, the thumb is apply, 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 apply the Word of God. Right? you got to grip on God's Word. And then a fifth statement, very quickly, is uh, if we're going to pursue the glory of God, pursue being like him. Uh, get with another brother or sister. Don't do this thing alone. <clears throat> now maybe husbands, wives, you can work well here together on this, but I often find that uh, another guy in a guy's life is really great, or another woman in, in, in my wife's life is just so powerful. Uh, you know Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. So let's get, let's get so that we're sharpening each other, Right? Let's rub on each other. Let's get this. Come on. I, I, I used to have this brother. Every week he'd call me. All right, okay, uh, quote that verse. Now I've got a new brother, This, and we meet on Tuesday mornings, and he checks me. You got your verse memorized? You got it? And I know he's going to ask me. 
So Tuesday morning I wake up, oh boy, I better get that verse memorized. But you know what? I wouldn't do it if I didn't have that brother checking me. Do you got a brother checking you? You got a sister checking you? Hey, you've been reading your Bible? You stand on your reading plan? Did you get your Bible study done? Right? That's so helpful. I have grown the best when I've had someone checking me, checking me, checking me, calling me a faithful brother. Look, you don't do that with 20 people, 30 people, 40. You don't do that. You do it with one or two. You'll pursue the glory of God so much stronger if you do it with somebody else. So I don't know. Those are five thoughts on pursuing the glory of God. But like the guy in Alaska, if you want a Chick-fil-A sandwich, you're going to figure it out. You want to pursue God? You want to pursue his glory? What's the chief end of man? To pursue God. That's what it's all about. And to enjoy him. So, yeah. All right, one last, one last thought. What's this all leading to? Is for us to be a people that declares the glory of God, reveals, shows the glory of God to a, a world that knows not the glory of God. If I'm going to be strong in evangelism, strong at declaring the glory of God, then I've got to be pursuing the glory of God in my own life, right? I've got to be healthy, holy, and happy just pursuing the glory of God. And then what will happen is I, I just, it will just flow. Let your light so shine before men, Matthew 5.16 says, right? So i, I got to turn, turn that light up. And I do so by pursuing the glory of God. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and do what? What's the verse say? And glorify God. Yeah. Yeah. So here's Moses. He's got one request. He's focused in. Lord, would you show me your glory? Paul's the same way. Philippians 3.10, we saw it this morning. What, what, is, what does he want to do? I want to know you. I want to know you. And I know that's your passion tonight. And I hope tonight just encouraged each other to pursue the glory of God. Come on. Let's do this. Let's keep going. Let's keep pursuing God, because he in his kindness and goodness, as we will find as we pursue him, has been the one all along pulling us and drawing us to him. Amen? Let's pray. Father, on this good Sunday night, would you help us pursue you? And so, Lord, we know we got to lay aside some things. I don't know, maybe stop watching TV or put that phone down. Maybe we've got to put the, pick the phone up and use the Bible app on it and read. Lord, would you just help us get passionate about following you, about loving you, seeking you each and every day. Help us as we hear your word and read your word and memorize your word, study your word. Help us, Lord, to be faithful in those things. And, and Lord, give us a friend. Give us an accountability partner to, to check on us. Help us. Keep pursuing you. Lord, again, thank you for this congregation, and I do ask that you'd continue to richly bless them. And we ask this in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen.